Hi, I'm Jessica Fern Kirkland, and you are listening to The Curious Wire. So hopefully our listeners are curious about what we are going to talk about today. So what I want to get into is how do we assess talent? People are qualified positions, overqualified possibly. How do we assess who's good, who's not good? So in sports, you have stats, you have percentages, you have wins and losses. There are actual stats that you can use to rate players. And we don't have that in multifamily property management. So if there was some sort of bell curve, or there was a way to measure, you know, all property managers, how, how would that look like? Not everybody, we, I think there's too much fluff and celebrating, oh, everybody's great and, and there's value and, and so forth. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on it and have a conversation about how do we assess talent? How do we qualify that? Sorry, this is very long-winded. And then the next part is is what happens a lot in our industry is you have people who are working within a company and then that company grows and they create new positions and now they're promoting somebody into a position that if they were hiring them from outside, they would never consider hiring this person because they didn't have that experience. But by the fact that they've been working with the company, um, I think there's a whole ton of people who are in positions now um, for something they weren't necessarily qualified, but because they were working for their company, they had the opportunity to get promoted up to that. So, all right. Sorry, that was long. I love it. Yeah, this is, I love this topic because I think that it really highlights some of the pros and cons of this industry. So there's a lot of people out there like me who work their way up from, you know, a leasing professional to president of a company. And I just finished my degree. So I didn't have a formal education and out the gate. I mean, I have, I have a lot of street cred, but I didn't have a lot of formal education. And it is one of the things that I value so much about this industry is how hard you work can be directly related to how far you go. There's also some problems with that though, especially right now where we are integrating technology. We are asking our community managers to operate at a higher level and it we might not be in a position where these old job descriptions where from like an organizational psychology perspective, that's that would be how you assess talent is you would have a benchmark and a KPI and some method of assessing how well you meet different aspects of your job description. Those are usually done in an annual performance review, which I'm not a huge fan of. I actually like performance reviews that happen throughout the year. Uh, but there would be a formal metric of assessment that says you are, you know, meeting, exceeding, et cetera which is another completely broken process in multifamily because nobody has any time. But as an industry, we're not even saying these are the things that a community manager today or regional manager today should know. For example, uh, with all of the technology advancements and being able to pull, you know, data insights and aggregating data. And, you know, you and I've had some off cuff conversations about the importance of the, of data and being able to actually make something of it. We don't say like in the, in the industry credentials, like in the cam, the cats, 
In the Certified Apartment Portfolio Manager Certification, it briefly talks about being able to uh, pull financial data insights. But nowhere in the job description for the manager or the portfolio supervisor does it say that you need to be good with technology, that you need to be able to glean data insights, and that you need to be able to present performance goals and objectives based on these insights or be able to establish benchmarks and KPIs. So it's really hard to, it's kind of hard to know who it is that you're hiring, how to assess their background. You know what you need, but as an industry, we've not set a standard for your, for you to say, okay, these are the qualifications I'm looking for. So it makes it really hard to assess talent and how, how you're currently performing. And then who is it that I need to hire? Because the job descriptions have stayed the same for an industry that's not. Okay, so so what are changes that you would want to make? Oh, gosh, I've been thinking about this for so long. And I've got so many theories about centralization and why it doesn't work. And I firmly believe that our antiquated processes and staffing, uh, staffing goals don't support where industries are. So for where our industry is. So for example, our community managers, the ones that are responsible for multi-million dollar assets, they are undereducated and they've got, and they don't have enough authority. So why in the world would we not give a person who is responsible for running a business the tools that they need to make decisions to then run their own business. And it's probably because they were hired without the qualifications to then earn that authority. Property management companies are so overwhelmed that the regional manager position who should serve as a leader, as a mentor to really uh, glean the next generation of leaders, they don't have the opportunity to even prepare this individual to become promoted, which back to your point, right? Like we're promoting people because they've worked for a long time, not necessarily because they're qualified. So, so what are the qualifi- qualifications that you're referring to when you say community manager? Uh, I would, so access to be able to make uh, budgetary decisions. So most of the time they've got a small amount of a budget they can work within where they can make decisions. But if it reaches over a threshold, it has to get kicked up to the portfolio manager. So, that so what, if you're authority, hiring a community manager, you said, uh, you know, that they, if they don't have the qualifications, right? So what mm-hmm. would be the qualifications? So that was, you're talking about the budget you're talking about. Do they have Financial the authority acumen. to make? Okay. So, okay, good. So yes. I think, yes, I think um, I'm a, a big fan of the idea of teaching everybody in, in, on the management side, corporate and on site to understand the financials of this business. So you want them. So really, but that's not, shouldn't be a very difficult thing. So if a company has the ability, they don't necessarily need the person to have the acumen that would help, but they should be able to train them on the acumen. They should, right? But most of them don't, or they don't have the bandwidth to which is a huge problem. And there, there is content out there that can help. However, to every asset, to me anyway, has its own personality. 
And everything that somebody does who's working on site ends up in that budget. So how well you're, uh, how nice you are to people is going to be directly related to your renewal percentage, right? Or your vacancy loss. So if you're not providing customer service and you can't close leases, you're not going to have people move in and you're going to have people move out. Everything shows up in a number. And I think that the community manager role not only needs to incorporate more financial acumen, but more business sense, right? So your your business managers who understand how to breathe life into a property, operate it as a business, and less as a, I'm here to babysit the reports. I'm here to babysit the residents. A community manager job, uh, it needs to be elevated. So that way the regional managers can spend their time doing more uh, doing more of the um, supervision. If you look at any other business type, and I worked at, I used to work at, uh, I used to work at 24 Hour Fitness, and the manager there at the club had complete discretion over everything that happened purchases, sales, rates, all of that. The district manager showed up once in a while to meet with the manager and talk about performance and set goals, et cetera. That doesn't happen in this industry. And you can, I'm sure, apply that business model to almost any other franchise type, which our industry very closely mirrors, right? We've got a headquarters with multiple instances of the same type of business model. That's not set up like that today. And it bottlenecks. So, and it does go back to the talent, right? Because do we even know who we need to hire? Yes. Uh, you just hit on something. I don't want to go completely off topic, but yes, there, there's a lot of properties within a portfolio that are are operating in silos. They're they're purchasing from each property is purchasing from a different company, a different supplier for appliances or who knows what. And I, I believe there's a huge opportunity to I don't like to use the word centralize that, but to optimize what we're doing. And maintenance is a, is a huge piece in purchasing. Um, but back to the talent pieces. So it sounds like there's a, it, it's hard to rate and scale people in our industry um, from out, from an outsider perspective, right? If there's an, an NAA conference and you have a thousand property managers, there's really no way to evaluate them in, in, in that space. But what you're saying, how organizations should be looking at their talent is, is what do we need from them? Are they, are we giving them the authority and the bandwidth to, make the right decisions, empower them, but also are we giving them the skills that they need in order to correctly do that? And I think that there's way too much, and I think you're alluding to the same thing. There's a lot of like things are set at corporate and it just, you almost have puppets in place and then they're not equipped or empowered to make those decisions. And then they just default to like, why am I going to say anything? Or why do I push to do something different? Because it seems all they want me to do is just do what I'm told. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I, even with the, you know, I think empowering is awesome. One step further from empowering is entrusting. And I think that's really where I would love to see um, a shift in your authority and responsibility to these community managers is where they're entrusted to run a business. And 
we just don't have the content or training or education within our industry in order to do that in a in a in a standard way. Everything is so different. It's like reinventing the wheel company to company to company and there are very standard ways of doing things. And I'm sure there's some companies that are knocking it out of the park, especially the ones that have figured out how to aggregate their data. So when you've got a HRIS system that feeds into a learning management system that you can then tie in, let's say, a property KPIs, then you could say, if I'm responsible for uh, making sure that, you know, my property is leased up, you'd be able to say, uh, what are the, like, what's my occupancy compared to what it's supposed to be? Like, that's a benchmark that has data to support its objective. It's not in someone else's opinion or who's rushed trying to tell me whether or not I'm doing my job. There are ways to say, okay, you've taken your training. You've showed development in these skills. There are actual, um, like, organizational ways to do this. There are surveys, there's assessments, there's all these tools out there. It just hasn't been streamlined or standardized within this particular industry. Uh, and again, I think there's some one-offs, some isolated incidents where folks are doing that really well. But in my experience, I've not seen it done where someone is really taking the time. And I think it's because they don't have the time, right? We've got a serious bandwidth issue and leaders managers, regional managers, they don't have time to be leaders. And that's a problem. I'm not going to, I think we could open a big box over there of worms of it, or a can of worms, but I, I think regionals should have the time. I mean, their job is, is to lead like, so mm -hmm. they're property managers. So I'm not sure if they don't have the time to lead, I don't know what they're doing, but we'll put that to the side for a moment. But reports, I, the way I look at it is, and, and my job is, part of my job is the, our company brand and focus on that. Like, I want people to want to hire our people because they work at Sage. Meaning, when some, if we invest in everybody and do a good job and somebody, not everybody's going to stay here forever and people will go on. Mm -hmm. And there's, I always tell people when they come join or when I interview is there's, there's great, a great part about working here and a part that's the, the, the not good news and the good news is we're growing and we're, we're getting bigger and we're, we're getting better. And the bad news is we don't always know when and where that's going to be and what the opportunities are going to be. So, so if, listen, everybody has to do what's best for them. And if somebody has been around and there hasn't been that opportunity for them to grow either geographically or position, or whatever it might be, you know, people go somewhere else. I want, People say, oh, like they looked at their resume and say, hey, they worked at Sage. That carries a lot of weight. And then when that person gets there, like that still reflects on our brand, how that person performs outside mm -hmm. of our of our company. And I think that employers should view that way. Like they, they even when someone doesn't work at your company anymore, they, they can be a reflection of your brand. And we definitely have looked at uh, talent and said, hey, they worked at this company that that says something. And we would want people to come here as a resume builder. Like, why not? Um, Absolutely. So I think that now, so in terms of from an employer's perspective, what what kind of characteristics are you looking for in, in talent? That's one. It's going to be a two-part question. And and the second is, is how do you determine what, let me take a step back. I'll tell you a funny story. I got a message from a recruiter on LinkedIn asking me if I was interested in a leasing position. And I said, I, I don't think that's for me. I said, I'm at this time, I was a director of leasing. And I said, I, I hire the leasing folks 
at our company and they wrote back like we know and we think that 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 that's great experience for you to be a leasing consultant so i said you know i'm I'm flattered and i appreciate it but i I think you have the wrong person but so how do we know who's underqualified who's overqualified and what kind of things do we look for i mean there are people sometimes that take a sidestep or a step back or they had a bigger position at a, at a company and and that position is not always available and and that but that person could be willing and totally uh, a great asset to an organization in a position that might be perceived as lower down so yeah that's a lot to unpack and I, I mean that's that's my exact situation right now you know there are not a lot of president roles out there. And honestly, I don't know if I would do it again. I learned a lot. I'm definitely capable. Part of me really wants to do that. I've kind of have a entrepreneurial heart and spirit. Uh, but for me, like I have to take a step down if I want to get employed anytime in the next probably five years. And I have heard a lot like, oh, well, you're probably just overqualified or sorry, you're overqualified for this position. And to me, I, I've got a very diverse background. I've had my hands in, you know, leasing and affordable and marketing and learning and product, you know, and technology and, you know, everything I did at PMG. And to me, I get so confused because I don't understand how somebody who doesn't know me, who doesn't know the why behind my what, right? That's that's really the the kicker. Can say, oh, she's overqualified. There must be something wrong with her if she's applying for a role that is, you know, not at that level. And there is some research out there that shows that people who are overqualified, they can get bored, they can get um, easily uh, underwhelmed, they can start problems, they can, you know, there's high turnover. But there's also a lot of research that shows that they can be assets to the team, they can serve as mentors, they can serve as leaders. And I think it's important before a recruiter judges why somebody would be taking a step down, perhaps I might be taking a step down in title, but maybe I'm taking a step up in balance, right? Like maybe there's a role that I'm really passionate about. I might not want all of the guts and glory of president anymore. And I want to be able to contribute in a meaningful way in, you know, maybe a different title or capacity. But to me, when somebody is going to tell me that I'm overqualified for a role that I applied for, it just seems like a big assumption that is kind of BS. I'm just going to say it. She asked me, right? Like, can you just ask, like, why are you applying for a role that's, below your experience, you know? Yeah. And, and when I would hire for leasing and I would have somebody who was, let's say an assistant manager or property manager, and they were applying for a leasing position, I would ask that, that question. And it could be that they had a step back and, or it could be that those positions were not for them. And you have to, I think what you're saying is you have to understand the why, why is somebody going for this position, which appears to be um, a step back. Um, and, and, and that, you know, you have to gauge if that, that story fits and if that makes sense. And does that person have, um, something to offer in that, in that space? So if somebody tells me that they were a property manager and they just love leasing and, but then their five-year goal is to become a property manager, then something's not lining up there. Um, yeah. 
if somebody was an assistant manager and a property manager and now they're applying for leasing and just like, I literally love leasing. I don't want to do anything else except for lease. Um, I don't know if I would believe that right away, but it, at least that would line up and that would, that would make sense. So I don't know. I want to be, a, I want to be a leasing consultant. Hire me, man. Like you can, it's fun. You, it's like, you get to be the good cop and a lot, a lot of properties pay great commissions. Like you could be, you could have a great life as a leasing professional, you know, and it's fun to show homes and, you know, be around customers and help people find that. And it just, I, what I appreciate about what you do though, is that you're asking the question, you know, like you're figuring out the context and it kind of goes back to one of the things you said earlier about, you know, how do you know when someone might be ready for the next step? You know, it's, um, identifying how well they are operating in their current role, how they can translate, and then what's their, you know, five-year goal, like you said, like, what does that trajectory look like? And for me, I think the, what the key skills for especially leadership roles are going to be moving forward, it will be critical thinking is going to be huge. People who are great with change management, who are awesome in ambiguity, and, uh, you know, you can teach policy and procedure all day long, but you can't train morals and ethics. And that will, that will also be huge and something that I've looked for when I've hired in the past too. And I think that there's a lot of questions that one could ask in order to gauge that. Um, and, and one of those questions that I use is, you know, if, if, if in two months you got a phone call from a recruiter for a position that's all right. So if that person says that they're not interested in being an assistant manager, um, and then I ask them that question, you know, if you got a call in two minutes for an assistant manager job or a property manager job, what are you doing? Um, and you can gauge if, if they're being honest with you, if they're being transparent with you. Um, you know, we had hired somebody who was a VP of, of operations at a larger company and they were. I guess you could say past their, their prime. Um, and, and there was layoffs and, and we were able to determine that it was a good fit for as a, as a regional manager. And you know, that the person was humble in the sense that there wasn't the ego like, Oh, I can't go back to doing this. Um, and, and they've been with us for a few years. And I think that, yeah, it's important to ask the right questions and, and to gauge, I think there's too much checking boxes in our industry, you know, Oh, they have this, they have this, credential that this like you need a test i don't know if there could be a better way of hiring of like actually people able to show their knowledge what do they know what can they do you can get yeah, i've had uh, sorry didn't mean to catch up no, 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 yeah I, I think that there's there's something that's lacking in terms of really gauging what people know and what they're capable and it's a combination of like you said business acumen financial acumen um skills and i think leadership skills soft skills i don't i don't know how to create like create the perfect employee, but things that I look for are humble, hungry, and smart. You need an ideal team player and it can't be all about them. They have to want to get better and to have EQ and an awareness of, of how people perceive them, how they impact people. And then, you know, the, the technical stuff I think is, can, is all trainable. You could teach people to have financial acumen. You could teach them what are important KPIs. And, and when you do these exercises and you review like the right numbers, people will be able to give proper insight versus, oh, I have no idea what's going on. Let's go get a sign spinner to get more traffic, something silly like yeah. that. <laughs> exactly. I've done, uh, when I've hired regional managers before, I have taught them do a SWOT analysis on um, on a few properties 
but they would be overseeing. So they would have to shop them. They need to go look at Google reviews. They've got to look at um, what the market's doing. And so I can kind of gauge how they're looking at it. Uh, and when I have hired uh, folks in learning and development before, I've had them uh, like write a basic policy, like write a policy on greeting a customer and then create a presentation on that. So I can kind of gauge where they're at and not necessarily do like a harsh evaluation. But for me, especially if I'm their supervisor, I have a responsibility to them to make sure that where their uh, biggest needs for development and learning are, I can support. If I know I don't have time to train someone on the very small basics or grammar or writing or whatever, that's not a good candidate for me because I would set them up to fail. So getting a clear understanding of where their skill set is and how much development they need, those exercises are really important because it helps me understand how I'll be able to lead them to. You just gave me a great idea having somebody read a T12 and give their assessment and their what's going on at this property. Yep. Thank you. Which is awesome because when you, when you read those and I love looking at like the, I like looking at the budget. I like looking at the variances because it's such a, it's such a game. It's like a problem solving game. Like where's, where's the problem and why is it a problem and what do we need to do to fix it? So those, uh, yeah, any exercises like that are wonderful because you can start to understand how people perceive information and are they are they going to assign their own knowledge and spin on a problem or are they just going to like call a spade a spade? Yes, thank you. Um, so as we wrap up here, what is something interesting, something cool, something you like to do outside of work? I am a huge mountain biker and I live in the Pacific Northwest, which is like mountain bike heaven aside from Moab, Utah, which is on my bucket list. Uh, and I recently just participated in my first competition of uh, of racing. So I've been mountain biking for years and I uh, heard about a race and it was actually the last one of the season. And I was talking to my kids because I was so nervous to do it. And I told them that that's exactly why I need to go do this because it is scary and I've never done it before. And I was super anxious about it. But the mountain bike community is fantastic. And I showed up, I got my number, they helped me, I knew where I was, and I raced and it was it was phenomenal. I, I can't wait to do it again. This is really cool to come full circle because we started with scores and stats and, and having measurable data too. So I imagine with your first mountain bike race, the goal was just to complete it and not to get hurt. Um, but I imagine like it's a race at the end, right? So mm -hmm. there, you ranked at some against others and and that drives you to want to either do better get better time i don't, I don't know like is that how it works it's just time yeah um, yeah, yeah yeah it's it's in mountain biking it's it would be well there's you can actually race but because it's usually single track trail it would be really dangerous to do that so you are you are a competition with yourself but with others and but the uh, the, the winner I, is based on the total time so even yes. though you're not next to each other your, the yes. race is the time to complete it. Yeah. Lap time. Yep. And you go, we went around twice and I placed fifth in the females that competed. Not Out of so how much many? overall. Um, 40. Okay. Not bad. Are you hungry to get, <laughs> and you, you're hungry to be, to be the top there, right? You have a benchmark I, of. Yeah. 
I do. Yep. And so it's a, it's an area that I can kind of dive in and learn more on and, you know, mess with my bike and, you know, maybe get a new one because I love reasons to buy bikes, but yeah, it's, uh, it's cool. Well, thank you. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. Take care.